good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. There we go. My name is uh, Tyler. I'm one of the worship pastors here. I do feel a little uncomfortable, just as you do, that I don't have a guitar with me right now. Uh, I'm not going to play the guitar and preach the word at the same time, even though we do that every week. I mean, I want to give it up for this uh, worship team. I have the mic right now. I don't normally get to do this, but we have an incredible group of musicians We've got a tech team that I, I don't even know if that thing up there has a name. I call it the cave, uh, but they are, you guys don't even see them. They're up in the cave every week making this service happen. We have some incredible connection uh, members and team members out there that are serving you guys as you come in. Can we just give them a hand this morning and thank them? It is a, it's such a joy and a privilege each and every week uh, to get to serve alongside them. And uh, this morning, we are actually kicking off our Christmas series. We're going to do a little two-week Christmas series focusing on searching for peace. And uh, before I get into our text and and we get rolling this morning, I just want to make a special note and reminder this morning that if you love Little Debbie Christmas trees as much as I do, you can get them on your way out of the room this morning. They're gonna be in the back of the room. And so just a little little treat this morning uh, as we leave. So I'll try not to be too long-winded uh, because I don't, does anybody else relate to Christmas tree, Little Debbie Christmas tree? That's my weakness. I don't know if anybody else relates, but I can go through a whole box of them. So, uh, hey, we're kicking off this Christmas series. And as we get into this Christmas series this morning, I was kind of thinking as I was preparing, I love uh, during the Christmas season, I love like the nostalgic things, right? Like I can think back to, you know, Kristen and I, we have a two-year-old right now and we're creating all these like traditions, if you will, with her as she's growing up and all the things that we do with her. But I can think back to even when I was a kid and the different things that we would do as a family every year at Christmas. And one of those uh, traditions for us was on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, uh, the TV was on all day. So we got, we got TV time all day, all right? And it had to be on a specific channel, though, TBS. Some of you guys know where I'm going now. What, what movie? A Christmas Story, right? A Christmas Story in our house was on repeat 24-7, just like it was on TBS. And so amidst all the gifts and all the hanging out with family, me and my brother fighting over the new toy, whatever we were doing, you would catch like parts of the movie all day and basically watch the whole thing probably a couple of times. But one scene that I love in that movie, and there's a lot of scenes that are very memorable, but one is right before Christmas morning, right? Like it describes uh, just what Christmas is like for a lot of us in so many ways, right? There's this scene of the living room with all the decorations and the lights and the tree, and the presence under the tree, and it's just quiet, right? Like there's just this anticipation that something's about to happen, right? So Ralphie and Randy, they're laying in bed. I mean, just like you kids in the room this morning, you can't wait to get up and to go down and open all the gifts, right? So they get up, they run down there, and this moment that was at one time serene and quiet and calm, what happens? turns into chaos. Like, I mean, gifts are being ripped open. There's wrapping paper everywhere. I can, I can still remember Randy's little toy blimp, right, that he ends up curled with in the middle of the floor. And when, when you get to the end of all the gift wrapping, what's really hilarious to me, and 
it's just this scene, this image of Randy, right? He's laying in the middle of the floor, and what's he doing? He's sleeping. Like he's got his toy blimp, and he's got all this wrapping paper, and there's chaos everywhere. Like it's just a mess. And Randy is just sitting in the middle of all that mess, sleeping. And I think for us this morning, I think that's a really incredible picture for our life and the experiences that we have in our life. I think a lot of times our life at one moment seems calm and peaceful, if you will. And then the next moment, it's a total mess. And what do we want to do when that mess comes? We just want, we want to find peace again. Like we want to experience what Randy experienced in the middle of that floor and all that wrapping paper and all that mess. And he's just calmly, peacefully sleeping. And I think for all of us in the room this morning, even as Pastor Jason prayed over us earlier, you know, in the midst of all the chaos and the mess in life and the hurt and the disappointment and the confusion and the list can go on and on and on. The truth is we are all searching for peace. Like even if you didn't wake up this morning and roll out of bed and say, I'm going to look for peace today. We're all looking for peace in our life. But also, as we are all looking for peace in our life, it can look different for each one of us. We all come into the room this morning with different situations, different problems, different moments in our life that we're trying to figure out. And so peace can look different for each one of us this morning. What I want to challenge us in, though, this morning is ultimately we are all running and searching for the same peace. Now, before we get into what I mean by that, I want to give us just a basic definition for peace. So this will be on the screen behind me. Let's work off this basic definition. Wholeness, this is what peace is. Wholeness, to be complete to have resources sufficient to one's needs, freedom from disturbance, all right? Wholeness, to be complete, to have everything we need, and to just be free from disturbance. That's what we're searching for when we say peace. So if this is what we're searching for, the fact that we are searching for it in the first place means what? We don't have it. Why don't we have it? Well, we have, what do we have instead of peace? Anxiety? Tension, we're lacking something, we're stressed out. There's not freedom from disturbance. Everything is disturbing. We have all these needs in front of us. And what are the things in our life that brings those tensions and anxieties? Maybe for you this morning, it's family or friends or a relationship that just isn't working out right now. Maybe it's a situation at your job. Um, Maybe you're even thinking big picture and you're like, man, I'm just sick of all the war and people fighting with each other. Maybe, maybe there's just discontentment in your heart for politics or social media or wherever else we find tension and stress and worry. So here's, here's my question for you and for me this morning is maybe we're not searching for the right kind of peace in our life. And the questions that I want to ask us this morning is, what peace, if we aren't searching for the right peace at times in our life, what peace does God desire for me and for you to experience in our life? 
And then maybe even a secondary question to that is, what peace am I settling for? And here's what I want to challenge us this morning, and, and Adam mentioned this even in his welcome this morning, is I want us to focus and turn our perspective this morning from what can bring me peace to who can bring me peace. And so this morning, if you've got a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in the book of Luke. So you can go ahead and turn to Luke. And as you're turning there, uh, today's message is going to kind of be split up into two parts. So the first part, we're going to look at the Christmas story together. The birth of Jesus. A story that probably for most of us in the room this morning is incredibly familiar. But I want us to look at this story And I want us to ask ourselves this question as we look at the story of the birth of Christ. What kind of peace does Jesus bring to earth, to us? Now, before we get to our text for today, I want us to think for a moment about the tension. Let's take ourselves back into biblical times, okay? A couple of thousand thousand years ago, all right? Right before Jesus is born, what's going on in the world around us, right? So back in biblical times, there's all these prophets that, that prophesy about the coming Messiah. God speaks through his prophets all throughout the Old Testament and prophesies about, hey, I'm going to send a Savior. I am going to send a Messiah to come and rescue my people. But before we get into the birth account of Christ, there's tension. God has been silent. There's about a 400-year period of silence before Jesus comes where people are waiting, they're confused, there's a tension, they're they're lacking, and they're wondering, when is this Messiah, this Savior, coming? So we pick up in the book of Luke this morning, and in Luke chapter 1, I'm going to kind of give you just a synopsis before we get into Luke chapter 2. But in Luke chapter 1, many of you have heard this story before about Jesus. An angel appears to Mary and Joseph, tells Mary, hey, you're going to have a baby. Um, It's not going to be Joseph's. You're not going to have just any baby. You're going to have what? The son of the most high. So imagine if you're a teenage girl hearing that. You are going to have a baby, and he is the son of God the son of the most high. Just think about the tension and the anxiety Mary and Joseph were experiencing in that moment. And as we pick up in Luke 2, because of the census of Caesar Augustus, Mary and Joseph, they're led to the town of Bethlehem. And that's where we find Jesus being born in a manger, the story that we know. And we're going to pick up our story this morning in Luke 2, verse 8. Now, as we jump into this scripture this morning, as we look at just a few verses of the story of the birth of Christ, I want to focus on two foundational truths about the peace that Jesus came to bring. So let's pick up together in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. So Jesus was born, this incredible moment in history happens. The Savior of the world has arrived. And where does our attention get turned to? A manger 
and some shepherds in a field. Why is this significant for us? Why is it so important that Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of the Most High, was born in a manger? And why does our attention first get pulled to these shepherds in a field? Here's our first foundational truth about God's peace. God's peace comes through humility. It's the first thing we've got to understand about God's peace. It steps in through humility. You see, the peace that God brought down to earth through Jesus was done in a way that is opposite the way the world expected it. I mean, even if you and I were to, to transport our bodies back into biblical times before the birth of Christ, how would we expect the Son of God to come into the world? Through power, wealth, status, but no, he didn't choose a castle or a mansion or some crazy thing. He chose a lowly, dirty manger. And then he also chose for the good news, this incredible message that, hey, all the years of waiting, the Savior has arrived. Who does he go to first? Shepherds. Now, I don't know if there's any shepherds in the room. All right. Do we have any shepherds? I don't think we do. Chris is a shepherd. <laughs> Y'all get that? Okay. If you don't, you can go meet Chris. He's a great shepherd. All right. I'm going to talk for a minute about biblical times shepherds and what they were like. Okay. The occupation of a shepherd, it wasn't a highly sought out position. Okay. Like you didn't grow up as a kid necessarily if you wanted to achieve wealth and status and power, you didn't grow up and say, hey, I want to be a shepherd one day, okay? Matter of fact, shepherds were considered to be liars and thieves. And obviously, they're hanging out with sheep all day. They probably don't smell great. They didn't have the greatest moral compass. And then to top, top it all off, their testimony, so a shepherd's testimony was actually inadmissible in a court of law. So God chooses to bring the good news that the Savior of the world had come to a bunch of guys whose testimony was inadmissible in a court of law. God's great story, his good news, comes to some of the most untrusted people in society. Just think about that for a moment. The good news of Jesus that you and I have heard about, we're sitting in this room today, and the good news of Jesus has traveled all the way to us on the other side of the world, started with some untrusting shepherds. I mean, even think about it for you, like, if, would you have believed them if they came and told you the good news of Jesus? And when we think about God's peace coming through humility, Right at the beginning of Luke's account of this birth story of Jesus, there's, there's this uh, a phrase that Pastor Tim Keller ca came up with called the upside-down kingdom. And immediately we see God establishing this upside-down kingdom on earth. And what I mean by that is the economy of God's kingdom is upside-down to what the world sees as valuable. Where we would see power and wealth and status as valuable on earth. In God's kingdom, meekness, lowness, humility, 
That's what's exalted and valued most. You see, this marks the beginning of Jesus' life here on earth. And it would be a theme, if you know anything about Jesus today, if you've read anything in scripture about him, it would be a theme about his life, that he came in humility to seek and save and serve. So when God's peace comes in humility, through humility, it's important for us to remember this morning that peace is not absent of conflict, right? I think so often in our life when we search for peace, we try to run from conflict. I mean, that's, that's basically what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, listen, I've got this issue or this problem, and we tend to run from our problems. Like we try to run from when we feel broken inside over something, we try, I, I got to get this feeling away from me as quickly as possible. But when God's peace comes, when Jesus comes, it runs toward brokenness. It runs towards the problems. And not only does it run towards it, when we're seeking it, it's required. Like brokenness and humility are required of us. And so I want to look in Luke 1. There's this incredible song of praise that Mary proclaims at the end of Luke chapter 1. And she alludes to this in her song of praise to the Lord. It says this in Luke 1 verse 50, uh, Luke chapter 1 verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. And what does he do? He exalts those of humble estate. So God's, God flips everything upside down when Jesus comes. He says, listen, your, your path to finding true peace, your path to experiencing what the Savior of the world has to offer is not through being proud, it's not through power, it's not through wealth, it's through making yourself as low as you can. He flips it. So often we try to do everything we can to avoid brokenness, our problems, and God wants to embrace it in humility this morning. So what, what happens as we continue in Luke 2? So the angels come to the shepherds. We pick up in verse 9. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now, fear, the word fear, is, it's kind of subjective, right? Like what might be fearful or scary or terrifying for me may not be so much for you, right? Like I, I, I'd hate heights. Like I cannot stand heights. Um, I, I will ride a roller coaster, but I, I took a group of uh, junior and high school kids uh, about, that's probably about 10 years ago. We went to the Grand Canyon. Has anybody been to the Grand Canyon? I mean, literally... Uh, I, I guess I had this like image of what the Grand Canyon was in my mind growing up that there was like all this safety railing and all this stuff like around it and you're totally fine and you just look. No, it is like loose gravel. Like it is literally standing on the edge of the abyss and it's just loose gravel. And so here I am and, and if you know anything about me or if, if we get to know each other, I am a worst case scenario like hardcore. Like I am just processing like every bad thing that could ever happen in the world, period. Um, I'm a lot of fun to hang out with. Uh, but 
I'm, I'm just freaking out the whole time because I got all these junior high, high school kids that are just playing and kicking rocks. And I'm just like, dude, I'm going to get fired because <laughs> we're, somebody's falling off the edge here and it's going to be traumatic. But, you know, that's terrifying for me. That may not be so much for you, right? Like fear is subjective. Um, you might, maybe you're scared of snakes or spiders or fill in the blank with something that's just really terrifying to you. This is a different this is a more intense kind of fear that you experience when you experience God's presence and when his glory shows up. When the glory of the Lord is shining, there is an awe and a reverence that we experience when God steps in. And so in verse 10, what does the angel of the Lord say to the shepherds? They're standing here. Obviously, they're a little freaked out because there's angels in front of them. What does the angel say? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, don't miss this, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. I want to go back to verse 11 there. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, who? A Savior, who is Christ the Lord. It's important for us to, to catch that because Jesus is the Savior. He is the Messiah that had been prophesied about for years and years and years and years. And he had come. He was God's promised servant. He had come to save God's people. But it's also important for us to understand that he is the Savior, but he is also Christ the Lord. Which the Lord translates here in the original language to Yahweh. Signifying that Jesus was not only just the Savior of the world, he was fully God. He, he possessed God's full, sovereign, authoritative nature. So even at birth, even as a tiny baby, I'm assuming tiny, Jesus was both a savior for the world and he was God. So this news comes to these shepherds. Hey, listen, I've got this great news and we, I'm, the angel says, I'm coming and I'm telling you about this news. And what, is, what, is the, what happens next in verse 13? And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude. In other words, a bunch of angels of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, the word glory, which may be unfamiliar for some of us in the room, or maybe you've heard that word a lot, and you're unsure of what, what does that word glory mean when the angel says glory to God in the highest? The word glory actually translates in the Greek to the word doxa. And in the Greek, this means ultimate beauty, magnificence, and then even in the Old Testament context of the word glory, it means weighty. So what does that mean for God's glory to be weighty? What this meant was that when God and his glory shows up, it has the power to move and displace things out of the way. 
It's weighty. When God's glory comes in, it moves everything else out of the way. So when the angels, going back to that verse, say, glory to God in the highest, what they are proclaiming to these shepherds and to the world is that there is a beauty, there is a magnificence that displaces all other things now. There is a beauty in this baby of Jesus that compares to nothing else, and it lessens the beauty of everything else around it. So we understand that God's peace comes through humility. But secondly, in the angel's worship of Jesus, we learn that God's glory and our peace are inseparable. The coming of Jesus to earth is God's greatest display of his glory. By bringing peace on earth through Jesus, God is glorified and we can experience true peace with him. You see, it's impossible for us in our life to truly experience the peace that God wants us to experience and to not care about his glory. Like we must be passionate about God's glory and his worship so that we can experience the true peace that he has called us to experience. So God's peace comes through humility and God's glory and our peace go hand in hand. These are two things that I believe we can learn out of this story about the birth of Christ. So it's one thing to understand these two foundational truths about God's peace. It's another thing for us to begin to ask the question, okay, how does that apply to my life? You see, what's interesting is when Jesus came into the world, going back into biblical times, when he came into the world, there was a guy, and we read about him in the birth story. There was this guy named Caesar Augustus, right? He was the ruler over the empire there. He was leading. And what's crazy is when Jesus came, the Roman Senate had actually given him the name Augustus in 27 BC to honor his defeat and annexation of Egypt. So a little history lesson for you, right? So Caesar Augustus got his name because he had come and he had conquered. And what did he do? Although he was harsh and unrelenting and the peace that he brought was more of a submissive peace, he was a master administrator who restored order to the empire after there had been two decades of civil war. So why is that important? It's important because he was known before Jesus came and was born that they, there was this Roman's golden age was named the Pax Romana. And, and they gave Caesar Augustus all the credit for bringing this Roman peace that lasted for over 200 years. So why is that important for us to, to, to see in the story? It's because a lot of times for us, we will turn our attention to a ruler, to a leader, to another person to bring us peace. We place the expectations on their shoulder, say, hey, I need you to bring me peace. But what I believe Luke is doing for us here is he's contrasting the peace that the people were experiencing under Augustus with a true peace that we had never seen before. It wasn't an external peace, it was an internal peace that Jesus came to bring. 
And here's the problem that we have so often is that we have a peace that we want and we miss the peace that we need. We think, man, if, if all these elements in my life would just line up, man, if I could just have this or if I could have that or if this relationship or this job or this, this thing I'm experiencing would just, th- then everything would be at peace and I'd be okay. But that's not really the peace that we need. You see, here's the truth for us this morning. Before we can experience peace anywhere else in our life, we have to understand that the most basic need we have is to have peace with God. Whatever else you think you need peace from this morning, at at your core, the most basic need that you have is to have peace with God. So if this is true for us today, if this is our most basic need, if we understand that God's peace comes through humility, humility, it requires brokenness, and we understand that God's glory and our peace are, go hand in hand together, and it's our most basic need to experience this peace, then how do we get it? How do we find this peace with God? I want to give us three things as we close this morning and how we find peace And how we experience the peace that Jesus came to bring. The first is this. Peace is not earned by our works or our traditions. I want to look at Romans chapter 5 verse 1. It says this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God, what? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, so often we get this backwards. We think Man, if I work, if, I, if I, I can earn this peace in my life. And what happens is we end up taking one of two false positions when it comes to God's peace. On one hand, we say this. We say, I can fix my own problems. Like, I don't know if you can relate to me in that, but I'm real good at that. I, I will sit and map out in my mind, if I do these couple of things here, oh, it'll make me feel better. It'll give me some peace right? And sometimes we might not even list it out. We may just do it. We may say, man, if I come to church, like you guys are here this morning, if I, if I come to church every week, if I go to my Sunday school class, if I go to my life group, if I step outside and I'm nice to my neighbors, right, then I'll have peace with God. And we get it backwards. And we say, hey, I can fix my own problems. The other way sometimes is we get prideful on the flip side and we say, I can fix everyone else's problems, right? We get on, well, you know, the, the social media site, not to be mentioned this morning. We get on there and we share all of our feelings about what we feel and what we think is right. And, and we try to fix everyone else. But here's the problem. When we try to fix our own problems and create our own peace, and when we try to fix everyone else's problems and create their peace, what are we doing? We're playing God. Like we are trying to be God. And I don't know if you know this or not, but you're a terrible God. Like, I'm a terrible God. I do not have the ability to bring my own peace. You do not have the ability to do that, to bring it into somebody else's life. That's what Romans 5.1 says. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's because of everything that he has done. That's why he came to earth. 
Receiving God's peace is supernatural. It's something that we cannot conjure up on our own. So peace is not earned by our works or our traditions. Secondly, peace is found through receiving and through believing. Romans 15 verse 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in what? Believing. So that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So the peace that we we can experience that God has for us this morning is found through receiving it, not earning it, and through believing in it. And so this morning, if you're looking for peace, if you're wondering how can I experience this peace with God, you just have to receive it and believe it. And thirdly, our last point this morning, peace with God precedes all other peace. If you truly want to experience peace in your life, if you truly want to experience peace around the dinner table with your family at Christmas, if you truly want to experience peace with your friends or your neighbors or your coworkers or those you're in class with or in school with, if you truly want to experience peace on earth, it begins and ends with experiencing peace with God. That's our deepest need this morning. And so as we close this morning, I'm going to ask the band to come back up. And I want to to look at one more verse of scripture this morning in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Paul writes this. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called in one body and be thankful. You see, when we truly experience peace with God through Jesus and we let Jesus rule in our hearts, not just as our Savior, not just as our I don't want to go to hell card, but he is actually the Lord of our life, the Lord of our heart, then we can experience God's presence and we can experience his peace in an incredible way. And the way we do that this morning is simply by coming in humility, coming in brokenness to say, listen, I don't have to be all put together. I don't have to say the right things. I don't have to have everything figured out. I just come as I am in the midst of my brokenness, the the thoughts that I have that no one else knows about, the sin in my life that I think is hidden, but it's not. We come in that. And we can experience the peace that God has for our life. And when we experience that, that unlocks the peace that we seek to have with the world around us. And we are able to give God glory in the way he has called us to.